Zach on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Zach and Stoke. He's James Merrill. I'm Will Peterson. Filling in today for the guys as they are on some well-deserved PTO. How you doing today, James Merrillat? I am great. How are you, Will? I'm doing well. I was just on a coffee break with D-Mac and Rachel and then bounced over here. It's a nice full day across all Denver sports platforms. Yeah, you're multi-platform today. Multi-platform. Hey, that's the wave of the future. At least that's what they tell me. <laughs> Uh, James, this, uh, let's start with this Draymond Jones thing because last night was the first sort of news, if you will, that he's officially hitting the free agent market. That's coming from Jordan Schultz at Schultz Report on Twitter. Wants 60 to 70 million, not obviously per year, but in total. So you start doing the math. Okay. Let's say it's a four year deal. That's between fifteen million a year and seventeen and a half million a year. Franchise tag would cost you about nineteen. The deadline for the franchise tag is five days away. Free agency legal tampering starts March thirteenth. That's the day you're going to start seeing Shafter Rappaport reporting deals. Are you disappointed it's gotten this far, or should we have seen this coming when four months ago Andrew Mason told or Draymond Jones told Andrew Mason, "I'm here right now," when asked if he wanted to be with the Broncos. I am disappointed it got this far. I think as soon as you traded away Bradley Chubb, your attention should have turned to, all right, we need to get Draymond Jones signed to a long-term deal. Yeah. And I think during the season uh, would have been the time to get that done and get it done maybe at a little bit of a hometown discount. And I think if you let him hit the open market, you're going to pay. If if you're going to retain him, you're going to pay the highest possible number. And I think that's bad business and I think that's silly. Now there's a chance that he hits the open market and he doesn't get the number he thinks he's going to a la Shelby Harris but I don't think that's going to happen. Draymond Jones is a significantly better player than Shelby Harris. Didn't Shelby come back like one year three million? One year three million dollars and the next time around they gave him a three year twenty seven million dollar deal for I don't know why uh, he was coming off a worse season but yeah he, he went out tested the open market one year three million. Now that was during COVID so that throws things off a little bit. Who knows what was what was going on with the market. Uh, but I do think you could have got this done, could have got it done cheaper. If that's the number, I get that contract done ASAP. And if that's the number, I put the franchise tag on him and force him to have to get that deal here. I don't know why you let him hit the open market. I just don't. That's not an exorbitant amount. It's not like he's, you know, it's not like the franchise tag is 19 and he's wanting $22 million a year. And you're like, come on, man. Like, l- let's live in reality. 60 to $70 million is a big number. But for the position he plays and the way he plays it, that's a very realistic, fair number. Then get the deal done, George. Well, and it's kind of shocking to me that George Payton set up at the Combine in a one-on-one interview to the side. He said they're not, excuse me, they're not going to franchise tag Draymond. And it was like, why? Why, why is franchise tagging out the door all of a sudden? Yeah, why would you eliminate one of your tools? That's not what John, That's not how John Elway did business. John Elway franchise tagged Vaughn Miller and got cropped out of the White House photo. You remember that? I do. John Elway franchise tagged Demarius Thomas and then got a long-term deal done. Yep. John Elway used the franchise tag as a tool, like you said, and George Payton saying, yeah, it's just not going to happen. We're going to let him hit the market. 
That seems silly to me. Most of the time, John Elway used it to buy time from now until essentially the start of training camp. Right. Because almost every time the guys he franchise tagged got a long-term deal done before they ran out there on the UC Health training center fields for the first practice. Oh, that's what happened with Vaughn because the White House was in between Correct. the franchise tag and training camp. That's what happened with DT. He probably did it four or five times. I think he did it with Prater, too, if memory serves. Uh, it was multiple times, and he used it well. And it's a, it's a tool. If you're uh, okay, if you're not going to use it on Draymond, are you Draymond? Are you going to use it on someone else? No. Oh, then then I, why? I, I mean, who would you franchise tag? Alex Singleton, Dalton Reisner? No, we haven't heard that anywhere. I think it's it's either their Reisner. No Reisner actually wouldn't be a terrible idea. Okay, so is that the? We we've always been talking about mystery candidates and mystery DCs. Have we reached uh, mystery tag territory? You, you want to know why? <sighs> Dalton Reisner would not be a bad idea is because he's the he's the best guard on the open market, right? But you're saying something about the guards on the open correct. market. So if you don't resign him, you have to replace him. Yeah. My issue with Dalton Reisner is do I want to give him a three, four, five year deal? Not really. But if I franchise tag him, yeah, I'm probably overpaying him for this year. All right. But I'm only committing for one year. And then I go into the 2024 draft with a first-round pick, a second-round pick. Maybe the free agent class is better, and you buy yourself some time to replace him. That would actually make some sense. Because if you let him hit the open market and he goes and signs with, I don't know, Carolina, whatever, pick a team. Who's your who's your left guard? You're going to draft somebody in, at 68 or 69? One of those two third-round picks. But then we keep hearing, well, you have to draft a right tackle. You know, it's... You're going to run out of picks eventually unless you do the Cortland Sutton trade or I, I've heard the Justin Simmons well, trade, which I vehemently de- disagree with. But you, you would have to move a big piece for more picks. And how many rookies are you going to start on your offensive line in front of Russell Wilson? That's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. When when your first pick is a third rounder and you're going to start multiple rookies, that seems like you're really... Boy, you're really pushing in your chips on our scouts are going to nail this. Who was the kid who came in this year, the rookie, who was just awful? On, Luke on Wattenberg? The, Wattenberg. Wattenberg on the O-line. What do you mean? He's one of the guys they got in the Von Miller trade. Everybody told me how great that was. It was Nick Bonito and Luke Wattenberg in a third-round pick this year. That's what happens when you have to play rookies on your O-line. Exactly. he looked so overwhelmed. And Qu- here's the, the prime example. Quinn Miners was a third-round pick. Mm-hmm. Quinn Miners is now a good player on Turned that into a very team. good player. But as a rookie, he wasn't ready to play. Yeah, that belly. He did. He did. So as a rookie, they would have had to start him opening day. Okay. And then who's behind him and what's your depth issue? So if you're not going to use it on, on Draymond Jones, okay, fine. Then you better use it on Dalton Reisner and buy yourself a year. Now, maybe Dalton Reisner plays great with a better coaching staff and a better system and then you can say, you know what? Let's just go ahead and sign him to a long-term contract and keep him here. But if you don't use it on one of those two guys, I don't know what on earth you're doing. But why would you not use a tool that's at your disposal? And you're, you're better players, Draymond, so use it on Draymond. Well, I think the question you have to ask yourself, James, is George Payton playing chess or checkers? Because I if I you're at this point, he's playing Candyland. If you're playing chess, then it's smart to go tell a couple of guys up there, we're not going to tag him because then it creates this mystery around it. And you're actually going to tag Reisner and maybe you can get Draymond done at this four-year $60 million if it's the bottom end of uh, the deal. If you're playing checkers, 
You're just saying we're not tagging him. You're showing everyone your hand, and you're going to let the Bears go pay him $80 million, and you're going to let your third-best defensive player just walk out the door for, what, a compensatory pick? I mean, come on. This this is a move. This These are the kind of things with George Payton. We always hear he's a draft guru, right? But is he a free agency guy? Maybe that was never his role with the Vikings. And then here, who's his big free agency? Randy Gregory, Gregory last year? That hadn't worked out at all. Swing and a miss. So it's like, do we trust Ronald Darby? Okay, couldn't stay healthy. Yeah, do we trust George Payton, the GM, when it comes to the draft? Maybe. Do we trust GM George Payton when it comes to free agents? No. Do we trust him when it comes to trades? Absolutely not. Looking like he made one of the worst in NFL history. This is the kind of thing Sean Payton's going to evaluate him on. Is this Draymond Jones situation? Because all of a sudden. We're getting reports that Draymond Jones could be gone in nine or 11 days. Yeah, and you start looking at that defense and start thinking about the people that will have left in the last under two years. Vaughn Miller, Bradley Chubb, Draymond Jones, Kareem Jackson likely not back. But those first three, all D-line, George Payton trade, George Payton trade, George Payton let walk. Yeah. And Vaughn, what, Bradley, Draymond. And what did you get for it? So for Vaughn Miller, you got Luke Wattenberg, Nick Benito, and a third-round pick this year. For Bradley Chubb, you got Sean Payton, part of Sean Payton. Good trade. Uh, agreed. Agreed. But you also freed up cap space. This is what this is what gets me all fired up. Is In October, it might have been early November, we all were hearing about, oh, this is all about, you know, you, gotta, you, gotta, you can't play Chubb because you got to save money for Draymond. Then go sign Draymond. Right? It was, I heard all this stuff. It's, it's, it's just it, it repetitive down at Dove Valley. Ah, oh, we can't sign player X because we've got to save money for the Thomases. All right, well, you paid DT, but you didn't pay Julius. Like, it, it, nobody ever keeps the receipts on these things. When we're, when we're hearing from the, uh, uh, the spin doctors that this is why they got to do something, problem is I remember it. I remember that was the spin. James Merrillat keeps receipts. It was right. It was hey, you can't you can't pay Bradley Chubb. You got to spend it on Draymond Jones. Well, then you sure as heck better go sign Draymond Jones, or you better go get somebody better. So what? And we'll see. Maybe he does have a plan. But if your plan is hey, we're going to replace these guys through the draft in a year when you don't have a lot of draft capital, the only way to get more draft capital is trade away more good players. I mean, this isn't a roster that is loaded with Pro Bowl players. You can't be taking a step backward in talent to to get a compensatory pick because you think you're going to be able to go get some great player with it. Again, look at what he got for Von Miller. Nick Benito, average at best. Mm-hmm. Luke Wattenberg, we'll see. Yeah, but we just talked about how bad average it was in that game he had to come into. Would be kind, yeah. right? So, uh, And then we'll see what he does with one of the third-round picks this year. I just think that's a bad way to go. I would give... Draymond Jones, the contract he wants for sixty to seventy million dollars, I would put a franchise tag on Dalton Reisner to buy myself a year and then start filling the rest of the holes. And as uh, Stokely and Dra- Stokely and Zach in their draft—that's a mouthful—proved yesterday, Draymond Jones is a top five player on this roster. And when Zach's taking Garrett Bowles number two and Javante Williams number four, you could argue Draymond Jones is the third best player on this team. Yeah, you can certainly make that. He's in the top five for sure. Well, they put him in the top five with Zach taking Garrett Bowles at two. He's the third best defensive player, right? And you can't take a step backward on that side of the ball. I don't want to hear cap space. They got the 12th most cap space in the league. They're in as good a position as almost better position than 20 other teams. And they got an owner with deep pockets. Figure out how to restructure some things. Go sign guys. 
keep talent in-house. All right, coming up next, the Avalanche found out the hard way that you can't insert a third-string goalie and expect to win. Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan presents Stokely and Zach. He's James Merrillat. I'm Will Peterson filling in for Stoke and Zach today. Ramoslaw.com text line 303-713-1043. A lot of reaction coming in to uh, your theory about potentially tagging Dalton Reisner. $18.2 million. That's a lot of money. Unfortunately, it's just offensive line, right? Like, it should be different for tackles, guards, centers. Wait, they don't divide it up by. It's just that's weird because a tackle is such a premium position compared to a guard. So that is expensive. But again, my theory is you buy yourself a year. You're overpaying him for that year. Absolutely. Admittedly, you're overpaying him for that year. But who are you replacing him with? He's the best guard on the open market. So do you want to go give a long-term deal to a lesser player or overpay for one year for Dalton Reisner? Or you're going to go find a rookie that you're going to start at left guard in between Garrett Bowles and Lloyd Cushenberry to protect Russell Wilson, who is your most valuable asset? I think that's a bad idea. Anyhow, that just to reset my, my... argument as to why you should franchise tag Dalton Reisner. It's an idea. He's not good enough that I want to commit to him long term. I'll overpay for a year to buy myself some time. Uh, Text come in, like I said, this one from the 2232, and I think it's a really good point, and I actually agree with the premise of it. Patrick Sertan and Justin Simmons are the only premium players on the Broncos, period. Premium is a strong word. I think it's the correct word in this context. I would agree that if you made me say premium players on the Broncos, there are two, and they are both in the secondary. Draymond Jones is very good, but I don't think he's reached premium quite yet. I would agree with that. I think DJ Jones is very good. He hasn't reached premium yet because premium at that position is Aaron Donald. He's not Aaron. Those guys aren't Aaron Donald. So, you know, Pat Sertan is arguably the best cornerback in football. Justin Simmons is arguably the best safety in football. So, yeah, that's uh, th- th- those are the only two guys. That is it. Uh, 5866 says we could keep Dalton at $8 million a year. So would you rather pay him 18 for one or eight for hopefully three? I mean, that's only six more million bucks. Yeah, it's an argument. It's an argument. If it's, I mean, because 18 is such an overpay if his number on the open market is eight. I get it. I get it. But is that going to be his number? I mean, they signed Graham Glasgow during the COVID free agency period to a four-year, $41 million deal, $44 million, $11 million a year for Graham Glasgow. He was a part-time starter with the Lions. So Dalton Reisner's only eight. Three years later, he started 60-some games at that position. He's the best left guard in the open market. Nobody was talking about Graham Glasgow. That was a bad contract, though. It was terrible. Yeah, that was a big, desperate overpay, right? I, re- I just remember the people that were so upset that the NFL was just conducting business during COVID, and it's a bad look to you know, be signing these contracts. Like, It's a bad look to give Graham Glasgow four years, $44 million anytime. I mean, that's just, a, that's just an awful contract. We'll get to the abs here in a moment. Last one. This is a good question. I'll ask it to you, James. Uh, from the 3939, how much input do you guys think Sean Payton has in the Draymond Jones deal? A lot. I, I think I think he's heavily involved in all of this. So maybe he just doesn't like Draymond Jones. Maybe he's watched the tape and just says, you know what, for 15, 16, 17 million a year, we'll go in a different direction. I have, it's a consideration because George is going to have to answer all the questions when Sean could be you know, doing the puppet master calling the shots. 
I just I, I think a coach inherently wants to keep every talented player on his roster, right? He does. There, I just don't know of a single coach in any sport that's like, yeah, let's let that that really talented guy walk. What's the replacement? I don't know. I mean, I just don't buy it. But it could be an example of Sean is already running the show. And this isn't George's decision, it's Sean's decision. Well, then, then he's already making his first personnel mistake. Well, we'll see what happens in the next 11 days. But, yes, if Draymond Jones goes somewhere else, I would agree with you on that. Also, also, just real quick, back to the Dalton Riser thing. $8 million, not buying that number, based on Graham Glasgow. Three years, not buying that number. So, for me, I'm looking at it, would I rather give him a Graham Glasgow contract, four years, $44 million, or franchise him one year, 18, buy myself some time? Sign me up for the first one. The Avalanche lost to the Devils last night, 7-5. to five, And they spotted New Jersey a 5-1 lead. There are two layers to this, James. First of all, when it's 5-1, it would have just been easy to cruise to a loss. And they came back with three goals in a little over two minutes, made it 5-4. New Jersey got it to 6-4. Avs got it to 6-5. Could never get over the hump. Gave up an empty net or lost 7-5. But the second layer is that they need to figure out what is going on with Pavel Francouz because starting a third-string goalie from the Colorado Eagles who gives up five goals on his first 14 shots, Eustace Ananen, is not a formula for success. And we heard Jared Bednar uh, say earlier this year something along the lines, I'm paraphrasing, that if the Eagles guys aren't good enough, we'll find new guys. Well, last night Eustace Ananen was not good enough at all. And again, I give the Avalanche credit for battling back. But, James, the trade deadline is tw- is in 26 hours. Do they need to go make a move for a backup goalie between now and then? Because clearly, and I'm not trying to pick on him, but he was not good enough last night, and he cost the Avs two points when they're battling for seeding like crazy in the Western Conference. Well, what's the status of Frankie? Do we know? I had a birdie tell me that it's probably not good. Okay. Well, Ananen's name is on the cup. Is it? I'm pretty sure he was on the roster last year. Remember when Kemper couldn't play and he had the eye problem and Frankie was starting? Ananen was the backup. Okay, so he didn't get in, but he got on the cup. I think so, right? And D-Mac was all happy he got to go to Finland with them this year because he's from Finland. Right. Like, we're kind of treating Eustace Ananen with kick gloves here. He was terrible last night. They need a better solution. Listen, if they're having to play their backup goaltender much during the playoffs, if at all, I think they're in trouble anyway. They did last year, and it worked out great. Okay, and if you think that Frankie, that's a formula for Frankie, success. Frankie, you remember Frank, those chants? Yeah, and I remember games him giving up five goals. I believe they swept the Oilers with Frankie and goal. <laughs> yeah, I think well, I got that one well, right. Was it the first game, like eight to six? It was, you and I were texting. We're like, okay, this is kind of silly. I feel so, like I'm watching an indoor lacrosse game. I mean, come on. It's, it's not like he was going out there and just standing on his head every night. That's why they were winning. He was winning because they were good enough to put up an eight spot. So... Uh, but you you know hockey's they'll never tell you anything. So Frankie could be done borderline done for the year and we wouldn't know I, or he could be back in a week and we wouldn't know. Here's the thing. I just don't think at the trade deadline their most pressing need is to get someone who's going to sit on the bench ideally for every single playoff game and never get off the bench. Cuz that would be the plan. Darcy Kemper would have played every game last year if he hadn't got poked in the eye. He would have. So yeah, I know Ananen's like, okay. But he's essentially what Frankie was last year. Hey, he could have gone in and won an 8-6 game. So I just, it, it's it's so far down the priority list for me that you're selling Frankie a little short. He was better than his 8-6 game. Come on. 
Well, you're making him out to be, you know, Vasilevsky. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just saying just when, you, when you score five goals, you should win. And that's why I'm a little bummed. Most today. of the time, yeah. You score five goals last night, you should win. You and should. Th- this dude's save percentage in the first period was like .64, and I got people on Twitter telling me, oh, they're leaving him out to dry. And he's saving 64% of the pucks. That ain't good enough. It's one night. I'm not going to panic about it. And, and, and again, uh, again, I'm not, but, but I'm not panicked about one night, James. I'm panicked if Frankie's injury is very serious, which, again, I've had a birdie tell me it's not looking so hot. My, my point is if Georgie gets hurt and can't play in the playoffs, most likely – they're not going to win anyway. You have more faith in Frankie than I do. You have more faith in whatever rando backup goalie they're going to get at the at the trade deadline. Like, is Vasilevsky on the market? Like, who's this guy they're going to go get that's going to going to make you feel so much better about it? it you know, who's going to be on the market? Guys like Annanen. Mm. Uh, it just it, it's it's a, it's a boot point. It's like the Broncos having to go get a backup quarterback at the trade deadline. You know what? If Russ gets hurt, it ain't going to matter. Well, it did matter last year. I mean, we literally have the evidence that it mattered last they year. They won eight to six. Uh, a lot of people on the text line pointed out they did trade for Keith Kincaid the other day, a goaltender. My point is, if Keith Kincaid was good enough to play, they would have played Keith Kincaid last night, not Eustace Annanen. So, okay, so they traded for a fourth stringer. That's good enough. No, they need to find a bona fide backup goalie. If the Frankie what are you giving up series. for that? What are you giving up for that? Those picks. <laughs> What they give up for Lars Eller yesterday? A second round pick. At some point, you're going to need a couple of draft picks. If down they the road. throw three parades in the next four years, does anyone really care? Well, I, I'm just here to tell you, going and getting whatever backup random goaltenders on the market right now ain't going to lead him to a parade. It ain't. I'm telling you. It, well, and just again, I'm responding to the textures. If Keith Kincaid was good enough to play, he would have played last night, right? Because you can't tell me he's the answer at backup goalie, but he's not better than. Annan is in your system. He's the future. He's the future. Come on, James. (laughs) No, it was a tough loss for the Avs. I understand you're not going to win them all. It was just a frustrating way to to lose a game. I'm going to focus on the positive. It's what I do. Yes. And I just is impressed with the way they battled back in a five from a five one deficit. That those three goals in two and a half minutes or whatever it was. I I mean, that was was electric. It was was electric. It was awesome. All right, coming up next, one of the best players on one of the worst teams in town might be out for the season. We'll give you the details. You're listening to Stokely and Zach on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. James Merrillat, Will Peterson filling in for uh, Stoke and Zach today. James, do we know where Stoke and Zach are? No. I don't believe they're together. Okay. Well, I, I think they... we know where Zach is. I believe he's traveling to call DU basketball games. Oh, that's fun. I don't know where that is. It's got to but... be what? Uh, tournament time. Conference tournament time. Yeah, I believe it's in one of the Dakotas. I'm nice. going to go with South. Okay. Yeah. Love it. Stoke is uh, playing Lovely golf. Lovely in early March in South Dakota. Well, and for you degenerates out there, you're about to get a lot of daytime basketball. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> Conference tournaments are, are upon us. You need to scratch that itch at noon on a Tuesday. You got plenty to choose from. Yep, you don't have to do table tennis from the uh, from Russia anymore. Uh, like everyone was doing during COVID. Yeah. You got some. Uh, you got some other options. Uh, all right, James. The Rockies, man. 
least exciting offseason of all time. I wrote a column about this at denversports.com. Have you ever been less excited for a Rocky season? No, and that was sort of the gist of the column was I used to be a baseball guy. But what happened this offseason? You go through it. Uh, Connor Joe got traded. Uh-huh. Todd Helton barely missed the Hall of Fame. Uh-huh. Bud Black got extended for some reason. Which I think says a lot about Bud Black. If you just want to continue to be somewhere where you have no chance of winning, I think you have a lack of competitive spirit. Uh, You're just there for the paycheck. Probably. And the good seats and the free sunflower seeds and bubblegum. The TV thing is totally unresolved. They may not be on cable TV come opening day. And if they are, they won't be getting any money for it. And uh, the owner said with a straight face he thinks they can play 500 baseball. Yeah. That yeah. was literally, I, in my column, those were the five things that happened this offseason. That, that's the most underwhelming offseason of all time. Was was Bill Schmidt, the GM, on vacation the whole time? It's not underwhelming. It's ridiculous. It's I, an I mean, absurd like, offseason. It is so bad that at least last year, and look, it's going to go down as the worst contract in the history of Colorado sports, but at least they made the Chris Bryant move. At least they were trying. It went. In, it was in the wrong direction. Yeah. But like literally, Bill Bill Schmidt could have been on a hammock somewhere all winter long, and they would have been further along than they are right now. It's crazy, it, it, and it goes to the point of the column why they are getting left in the dust. The Avalanche are pursuing back to back Stanley Cups. The Nuggets back to back to back MVP and their first ever NBA title. The Broncos just traded for a head coach with a Super Bowl ring. CU Buffs football, most relevant it's been in two decades with Coach Prime. There is just no excitement about the Rockies, and this season is going to come and go with barely a whisper. Because we know how it's going to play out, James. The Dodgers are going to win the West. Yep. The Padres are going to be right there. The Giants are going to be pretty good. Diamondbacks always a bit of a wild card. Rockies are going to finish fourth or fifth in the NL West for like the 26th time in their history, and we're all going to move on with our lives. Yeah, and everybody's going to go down to Coors Field three or four or five times because it's it's fun to do. Um, And, you know, let's just go down and see and be seen. And if you stood out on the corner of 20th and Blake and interviewed 10 people as they walked out of the game and said, hey, what was the final score? How how many of them are going to get that answer? The 10? Mm -hmm. Out of 10. Two. Okay. How many of them are even going to get the team right that won? Five. (laughs) Right. It's not about the game. And then the other five won't be able to walk or talk. And I don't... And I don't blame Rockies fans. Party Deck City, baby. The only reason to go down there is because it's a beautiful ballpark. It's a lot of fun. Weather in Colorado in the summer is amazing. I get it. And and, and I'm not going to – and I used to be the guy that would say, hey, I'm not going to protest because why am I going to punish myself and, and eliminate the experience of going down there with my grandpa back in the day, my dad, my kids. Like it's a multi-generational thing. It's yep. creating memories. But now that my kids are older and I've done that, I'm not going to go. I didn't go to a single game last year, and I'm not going to go to a single game this year. I'm not going to bother. It would take me getting offered free tickets, first of all. I certainly would not pay for a ticket, and it would have to be either in the first three rows or in a suite. And I know that sounds so arrogant, but it's my lack of excitement about the team that I'm not going to go down to Coors Field and just sit in the 20th row of the third deck and watch a game. I'm just not. I would go down, and I don't know who their interleague Opponents are this year. Well, remember they're doing the they play everyone thing this year. Okay, so everyone plays everyone. But who's coming here? Half the AL. Okay, but so would I go down maybe to see the Yankees or the Red Sox? They have some good ones coming. Yes, I would go down to see the opponent, depending on who it is. Um, I would go down 
But my point is, why spend your money on the Rockies? When I wouldn't the Rockies, spend a dime on it. When the Rockies won't spend their own money on the Rockies. I wouldn't spend a dime on the Rockies. And I've been, I've defended Dick Montfort in the past, right? Like, they had the 11th highest payroll, I think, in 2019. That's fine. That, that, that's that's more than fair that they're at that point. Now, they spent it on the wrong people, putting together the most expensive bullpen in the history of baseball, and it didn't work. But it, you can't, you couldn't accuse them of being cheap. You could accuse them of being inept. But you couldn't accuse them of being cheap. Sure. And I was willing to spend my money on that. I am not willing to spend my money when that's their offseason. I'm just not. Well, and they got some news today, which I teased before the break, that is not good at all. Our friend Thomas Harding of MLB.com is reporting that Brendan Rodgers, who dislocated their, his left shoulder, has more damage than expected. Doctors are still checking, but surgery is possible, which could threaten his season. All right, one of their three best players' season could already be over. Yeah, so one of the reasons to even go down there and watch is is no longer there. But he, here's the other thing: it's what March? What's today? March second? March first? March second? And you lost the guy for the season. Spring training baseball is the dumbest thing in all of sports. It's preposterous and ridiculous. Why on earth are we still doing something that was put in place back when Babe Ruth used to go eat? hot dogs and drink beer all off season and had to go down to Florida for a month before the start of the season and get in shape. Why are we still doing this? Mm. These guys stay in shape all year long. Yeah. They go down to these facilities and, and hit and train and work out all, all year long. They don't need a month of games to get ready for the season. They need a week. It's, a, it, it's the same reason preseason football is preposterous. You don't need it. You don't. Why did you need it back in the day? Prior to 1978, well, they used to play six preseason games. Six, and it was oh you know well Joe Bob was you know stocking shelves all all summer and got a little hefty. We got to get him back in shape with three days. They don't do that nonsense anymore. No, they need to get it down to no preseason games. The only reason they do it is because it's a it's a free gate for the owners. But now that that is such a small percentage of their overall revenue, it's going to go away at some point. Spring training is stupid. It's stupid. Mm. I don't know why they're doing it. Why is Brendan Rodgers playing in a game when a bunch of guys that wear number 76 are out there that are going to be playing in, I don't know, Hoboken all year? Why? What is the point of it? Yeah, I, You're not wrong. I'm agreeing with everything that's coming out of your mouth because this team, James, their over-under is 66. 66. That means if you take the under, you're saying they may lose 100 for the first time in the history of the franchise. I would skip to the window and take the under. Because obviously 63, 64, 65 you hit, but 62, that's 100 losses, and they just lost potentially. Again, Thomas Harding didn't report it you know, as a done deal. He's just saying the fear is that Brendan Rodgers could be lost for the season. Their third best player could be lost for the year. James, they're going to lose 100 baseball games. They are. That's how this is trending. And I don't want to hear on the text line, oh, spring training games are fun to go to. No, they're not. They're not. You don't watch the baseball game. It's fun to sit out on the grass and drink a CL. That's fun. But you can do that at Coors Field, too. Right. And you know what else is fun? It's fun to go to Scottsdale in March because I had snow on my driveway today. Yeah, you can play golf. That's cool. But let's not act like the game is fun. It's not. You could go out there, go out to the hill in the seventh inning of any spring training game and say, who is pitching right now? How many people out of 10 are getting that answer? Zero. Zero. Exactly. So the game ain't fun. Uh, by the way, Lucas Gilbreth, a left-handed bullpen pitcher, not going to pretend to know a lot about him, but he was 
uh, sort of a later inning reliever last year. So, okay, serviceable if you're pitching in the seventh inning. Uh, he's going to get Tommy John surgery, most likely. So that's two today. Rogers potentially done for the year, yeah. and your seventh inning guy looking at Tommy John. Well, and you know, they may lose 105 games. You just don't need to. You don't need 30 warm up games. You just don't. It, it's ridiculous, and they just can. I, I just. I don't understand why they continue to do this. It, it just makes no sense. I know they make some money off of it because people do go down there because it's fun to go to Florida or Arizona this time of year. But the games are pointless, and when you lose key players for the entire season because of them. It just makes it all that much more infuriating. All right, coming up next, what Nikola Jokic slander, slander excuse me, is there today? Plus the Nuggets, a rare second night off before a huge game with Memphis tomorrow night. It's Stokely and Zach on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. And today for Stokely and Zach, he's James Merrillat. I'm Will Peterson. James, has there been uh, any Nikola Jokic slander today that I've missed? Uh, not that I've seen. Because there's uh, seemingly new slander every day, right? I did, I did miss first take today, so I, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe something else foolish was said. It is kind of exhausting, though. And I guess with success, there's always going to become haters, right? Well, if you're going to be on, yeah, Nuggets fans need to stop griping about it. Well, You're on the radar. Hold That's on. what you want. Hold on. But a lot no. of people bring attention on themselves. And Nicola told Mike Singer, and I'm paraphrasing, I didn't ask for any of this. I didn't ask for haters. I didn't campaign for MVPs. I just want them. Can you sympathize with that a little yes. bit? Yeah. That he didn't want this attention. He's just playing really good basketball, and he got the attention. Yes. Okay, uh, so I think we should. I think we have reason to hate on guys that are attention-seeking and obnoxious, and Nicola is not any of those. I get it. I feel sorry for Nicola Jokic. I don't feel sorry for Nuggets Nation. Was it more fun when... You had Junior Harrington on the team, and nobody was talking about your your, your, your basketball club. That is a throwback. I mean, come Junior on, Junior Harrington. Like that's what happens when you're. That's what happens when your team is prominent. When you have a prominent player, and there are twenty four seven stations that have to fill airtime, they're going to talk about your team. You know, you think every segment has been good about LeBron in the last twenty years? Of course not. But you think the people in Cleveland, I'm sure they got upset, but it was better when they were having to listen to Stephen A. or uh, Skip Bayless or whoever rip LeBron and he was on your team than when you weren't coming up, when you weren't on the rundown. All right, but I want to make sure I'm getting this straight. You're saying that Nuggets fans shouldn't be upset about the slander? They shouldn't. No. It's good. It's good. To, this is one of those things of... There's no such thing as bad publicity. They're talking about you. That means your team is relevant. Who cares what they say? Who cares? How does that well, affect Well, some of it's outrageous. I get it, but how does that affect you as a Nuggets fan? It affects Nikola Jokic, personally, and what Kendrick Perkins said yesterday, to some extent, tarnishes his MVPs. It does, in the eyes of some people, and that's a bunch of balderdash. Yeah. I feel sorry for him, but how does that affect you as a Nuggets fan? It does. Is, did you get a trophy? Is your trophy on the mantle? Well, Nicola has started to hear the noise because he did do the interview the other night after the triple-double where he said something like, pretty good for a stat patter. So as a Nuggets fan, that actually worries me is that me too. can something actually start getting to this guy, right? Because we all assume, oh, he just goes home and watches his horses and is totally unplugged from the world. No, like, I'm being That's serious. What I, like. I did not like that he said that the other night. He's he's starting to hear some of the because noise. Because it broke from the me. norm. Yes. I like that Nikola Jokic just didn't give a you-know-what. 
that that was part of his charm. I think it's part of what made him great. He's not a stat patter, but he clearly let it be known that he heard it, and that's not a good thing. It was a good quip. It was a good quip, but it was I, a I good punch back. I'll give him that. But yeah, I don't think it was a. I don't think it was a good sign that he heard it and that he was bothered by it at all. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on uh, you know who embarrasses okay. themselves today. Let me ask you this: When's the last time they had a segment on first take about the Rockies? Well, I don't think. Ever. Okay. Because first take's been a show for what? You, you know what? I bet the day after the Rockies beat the Cubs, because it's the Chicago Cubs, not because it's the Rockies, but because it's one of the most famous teams in baseball, there was a segment about that wild card game in 2018. Okay. So if they were doing a segment today about how the Rockies are a fraud and they're not going to win the World Series. Would the Rockies be in a better position than they are right now when they're not talking about them? No, but they would never, ever, ever do that. Sure, they would have. They, they were a, there were people picking them to win the World Series in 2018 or 19. Oh, I see what you're saying. I thought you meant like today, today. Well, they, I'm like, we, we'd be, if, if all they said was negative things about the Rockies today, Rockies fans would, should be happier because at least you're on the radar that they care enough to say something negative about you. All right. The worst thing in the world for your team is for them to be irrelevant. And that's what the Colorado Rockies are. Exactly. All right, so you're saying no attention is bad attention, yeah. Even if it's just so unfair to Nicola in his his quest to become the back to back to back MVP. Every great player has naysayers. LeBron's had him for 20 years. Oh yeah, Kobe, MJ, everyone has him. Giannis has him. That means you're in the conversation. That's a good thing. People the, need. To, I mean, Nuggets fans have the thinnest skin. Like, why do they care? Because they feel like the guy hasn't gotten the due respect the last couple of years. He's won the MVP. What more do what more do does he need to get to for people to say, "Oh yeah, okay, that he's a great player." He's okay. won back-to-back MVPs. You want it honest? Sure. They don't care what the nerd basketball writers who vote him MVP think. Oh, they care what the talking heads think. Oh, jeez. They care okay. what the well, person on their Twitter feed thinks. They're moving the goalpost. They're moving the goalpost. So, first of all, it was all about the MVP. Because when he won it, it felt like everybody won it because someone in Denver playing basketball finally got some attention. So they did care about the nerd writers then, and now they're not satisfied with just the nerd writers. They need the talking heads, but they need every single talking head. It's not good enough that Jay Will comes on this station and talks about him like he's Larry Bird. It's not good enough that J.J. Redick goes on his podcast and drops F-bombs about how ridiculous the naysayers are. Like, the vast majority of talking heads... Charles Barkley, everybody say nothing but great things about Nikola Jokic. But you're worried about the one or two people who say something negative? Like, what the f are you watching? Exactly. Like, the, the what percentage of the talking heads that now Nuggets Nation is worried about, what percentage of them are anti Nikola Jokic? 10? Mm, so if you. 30. Need, 33. Fine. I'll a third. Give, I'll, you're, you're wrong, but I'll even, get, I'll even give you that. If two out of every three people you see today will walk up to you and go, you are freaking amazing. And one third. Oh, that's most days. And one third just kind of brushes by you, doesn't say anything. And one third comes Kidding. up and goes, God, you're the worst. Focus on the two. All right. All right. Here, here's some positivity for you. Well, I think Michael Porter Jr. is going to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> when was this? When was this said? Oh, man. Stoke and Zach have had so much fun with it the last couple of days. He said it during the crosstalk on Tuesday, I believe. And, I mean, he, he was on one. Listen to this one. Michael Porter Jr. is a superstar. <laughs> okay. 
I they must in the Nuggets press box serve something that is laced with positivity pills. Because if you go down to more than one Nuggets game and cover it, you just turn into uh, is you're like robots. You're like the Manchurian candidate. Just everything the Nuggets do is great. I like Michael Porter Jr. I do a too. Lot. I do too. I think I'm more bullish on Michael Porter Jr. than most people. It's one of the reasons I can't stand Mike Malone because I think he's held back the development of Michael Porter Jr. because he puts him on a much shorter leash than Will Barton, Jeff Green, anybody else, right? Like, again, it's a little bit like my Jerry Judy theory. Put your arm around the kid. Tell him he needs to be a star. Don't have him looking over his shoulder every time he makes a mistake thinking he's going to get yanked. But to say he's a superstar, hey, how about this? Make an all-star game once. Hey, how about this? Make it through a whole season healthy. Not the kid's fault, but that's just a reality. A superstar? Oh, my gosh. I mean... What are they serving in this press box? Michael Malone's the greatest coach in the league. Michael Porter Jr.'s going to the Hall of Fame. Well, I think Michael Porter Jr.'s going to the Hall of Fame. <sighs> we, can't let him, we can't let him off the hook for that one. I mean, maybe he does, and I hope he does. If, uh, if Michael Porter Jr. makes it to the Hall of Fame, they're going to win three titles. Exactly, because that means he's Scottie Pippen. Uh, Nuggets and Grizzlies tomorrow night at Ball Arena, ESPN game. James, looking at these standings, the Grizz are five back of the Nuggets, it does feel like they're going to be the number one seed almost assuredly, but it feels like you can really step on the throat tomorrow night if you beat the Grizzlies and just sort of solidify that the last month of the regular season is not going to be stressful at all for the Nuggets, at least in terms of seeding in the West. I know you want them to go for the top seed in the NBA. Which, they're, boy, they got to get rolling because the Bucks have won 16 in a row and they're a game back of the Bucks, game and a half. But, yeah, I mean, look, they can bury the Grizzlies. They can essentially clinch it tomorrow. You'd be six up with, what, 18 to play? You'd have to yeah, you'd have to fall apart. I mean, if you just do the math and you go... Nine and nine, and they'd have to go 16 and two. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So if you, if you win tomorrow night, then if you win 12 of your final 18, 12 and six isn't a great stretch. It's pretty good. It's a great stretch. It's it's not a good enough stretch that if 12 out of, six, 12 out of 18 people love Nikola Jokic, it... Nuggets fans wouldn't not throw a fit, but if you, you're putting yourself in a position where you basically have to win ten games down the stretch in order to clinch home field or home court advantage, tomorrow night's big because four a four game lead with eighteen to go. Now you got to play pretty good. Tightens up just a little bit. Pretty darn good basketball yeah. down the stretch. All right, coming up next, James Merrillat has a crazy idea, maybe not so crazy, about franchise tagging Dalton Reisner. Plus, an offensive coordinator says Saquon Barkley is a perfect fit for the Denver Broncos.